Good morning, everyone. This morning, we find ourselves in Matthew 24. And what a chapter it is. And probably one of the more difficult chapters to be able to interpret and interpret rightly. Uh, very challenging. It's Jesus, you know, in the last week of his life, largely talking about future events. And in in isolation, looking at Matthew chapter 24, it does not seem to indicate a pre-tribulation rapture of the church. Uh, it's not necessarily discussed in Matthew 24. So therefore, when interpreting it, you know, you have to look at it in light of the rest of the scripture, because Matthew 24 deals a lot with what would be considered the day of the Lord, which is an Old Testament phrase brought into the New Testament to talk about a time of judgment that is coming upon the earth, and ultimately Christ's second coming, his full return back to earth to judge the nations and to set up his millennial kingdom on earth. So, I am a futurist. That's such an interesting term because it sounds like, I don't know, something that you'd hear about in a movie, uh, futurist. But really what it means is it means that when you're looking at Bible prophecy about end times, you see most of it occurring in the future. Um, I'm going to be talking more about this at Crossing Community Church as we preview the book of Revelation. And I'll be previewing that next Sunday at Crossing Community Church. But there are several different ways that people interpret the end times. Some will look at as a historicist, which they would say that the events that are talked about even here have been happening all throughout the history of the church uh, from Jesus's time until now. Um, and a futurist says, no, most, if not all, of the things that Jesus is talking about are going to be coming at a future date and they have not occurred yet. A historist, like I said, would say it's been happening all along. A preterist, uh, it's a lot of terms, and I'm going to have these printed out on a sheet next week for the church so that they can look back to them to understand this. But a preterist would say that all the events or most of the events happened prior to 70 A.D., because there was a significant um, persecution on the Jewish people and a destruction of their temple in 70 AD. Uh, and Jesus lived in around the, you know, 33 AD is when I believe he died. Matthew wrote this in the 60s AD. And then the destruction of Jerusalem happened at 70 AD. And, and a preterist would say, oh, all that stuff primarily already happened in the past. So there are different views as to how people look at end times, but I believe the futurist view is the most accurate view, and it's the way that we look at the rest of Scripture. We look at it largely literally that Jesus was predicting future events and, and prophets were predicting future events that would take place. Um, there are some who look at it almost just like as symbols or pictures and not literal things and I don't think that's the, the accurate way to look at scriptures, at the look at the scriptures. So I'll be taking a, a futurist point of view 
Now, within that futurist point of view, meaning these events are going to happen in the future, there's a difference of opinion of people who have that futurist view as to when the rapture is going to take place. It's not, again, that there's not a rapture. And I want to take you to a couple passages real quick and discuss that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it talks about an instant change of believers that is going to take place. And I want to read to you from verse 50 of chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. Now, I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. And and what's important to see, and this is, I'm doing this briefly, I, I can't provide all the teaching on end times as we do Matthew 24. We could spend, you know, there's books, volumes of books written on this. Um, So I'm just giving a more general understanding today. But in verse 51, it says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. And by the way, there's two, two ways to interpret that mystery. A mystery that's talked about in the New Testament is something that wasn't really expected by the Jewish people. It wasn't talked about in the Old Testament. It's not something that they anticipated. But now is being taught in the New Testament. And it's being revealed in the New Testament. That's what uh, a mystery is in the New Testament. Something that wasn't before properly understood that now is being communicated. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, which means we will not all die, but we will all be changed. Now, Paul is writing to a church and he's saying we will all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable. Now, this is people that are dead already had died previously, and their bodies would be in graves, and we will be changed. So this is people who are alive. We will be changed. For this imperishable must put on imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, meaning when this body that that would decay puts on a heavenly body. That's what's being said. And when this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in that passage, it's talking about instantly being changed. And that speaks very much of a rapture. And again, in a futurist viewpoint, there's futurists who believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. There's futurists that believe that a rapture of of the church is going to take place sometime in the middle or three quarters of the way through the, the tribulation. And then there are futurists who believe that the rapture of the church is going to happen right at the end of the tribulation where he raptures the church and then immediately returns to earth uh, to set up his millennial kingdom. So the difference of opinion is not whether there is a rapture. It's just as to what the timing of the rapture is. So I argue for, and there's a lot of great company uh, with me in this, for a pre-tribulation rapture, meaning the church is going to get to be removed before the tribulation and those people who hold to what I hold to believe that the wrath of God is revealed in the tribulation for unbelievers and for Jews. Now, if you followed us in 
Matthew 22 and 23, you saw the great uh, frustration that Jesus had for the Jewish people that ultimately are going to put him on a cross. And you might remember the woes. If not, go take a look at it in Matthew 23. Woe to you, Pharisees. Woe to you. Just over and over and over and over again. And then right away, he leads into Matthew 24. What I want you to understand, though, and why I turn to 1 Corinthians 15 here, is in this instant change that the Apostle Paul is saying is going to take place, he mentions nothing of a tribulation. Doesn't, doesn't talk about it at all, which I think is very revealing. Uh, the tribulation is known as, and we're going to see that as we go in Matthew 24 in a second, it's known as one of the, the worst time that's ever going to take place on planet Earth. I mean, it is so horrific and so awful of a time, you can't even imagine how awful it is. Like the entire sea of fish and everything dying, meteors falling from the sky, uh, major starvation, uh, half to three quarters of the world's population dying. Um you know, an antichrist coming and, and being a world real, world leader and eventually Christ coming back to defeat him. So it's just a horrific time. And when the Apostle Paul just talked about an instant change that's going to take place, and he says how wonderful and awesome it is, oh, death, where is your sting? He never mentions that you'd have to go through a tribulation first. I mean, I just really believe that as a father and Paul being a father of the church, if you knew that before this instant change was going to take place, you were going to have to go through the most horrific time on earth, that you would say so. That you would say, well, now remember, before this could take place, you're going to have to go through the tribulation. But yet he doesn't mention that at all in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now I want to take you to another passage, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, that speaks of, I'm sorry about if you're hearing all these pages uh, turn. But if we go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it's going to be the same thing. So uh, verse 13 first, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep. <clears throat> Meaning <clears throat> they were worried about people, excuse me, <clears throat> they were worried about people who had died. And Paul's writing to them to say, don't, don't worry about them because they're going to they're gonna rise again about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. He's talking about when he comes, in this particular occasion, that he's going to bring with him the spirits of those who have already died. Now, uh, this makes sense. If you're a Christian, you believe that people who have died in Christ, as of now, are in heaven. Now, their body's in a grave. But they are with the Lord in heaven if they have been believers in him. And what's being said so far is he's going to bring with him those who have fallen asleep. The spirits of those who are in heaven, when Jesus comes back, and we believe this is referring to the rapture, and I'll explain why in a second, he's bringing with him in the clouds those people. God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, and you know Paul's really strengthening what he's saying here. This is coming right from the Lord. That we who are alive, so now this is people who are alive on earth, and remain until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. He's saying again, I'm going to bring with those who have died. Their spirits are going to come back. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Now what he's talking about 
is there's going to be a restoration of our bodies that were in the grave with our spirits of those who are already in heaven. So he's going to bring the spirit of the people who have already died you know, or in heaven. He's going to bring with him that spirit, but then he's going to give them a new body at the time of when he returns. And it's as though their body that's in the grave will be risen to give them a new transformed body. Now, what I want you to see, though, is the Apostle Paul is saying there are people who are going to be alive. So right now we're talking about the people who have already died. But there's people who are going to be alive. And what's going to happen to them when Christ comes in this way? Then it says this, Then we who are alive, so like imagine if Christ came back for his rapture today. He'd bring back those who had died, their spirits. He'd raise their bodies to a, a new spiritual body, which would be reunited with their spirit. But what about the people who are on earth when the rapture comes? Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So Jesus is then going to catch up believers who are on earth when he comes to meet together with him and those who have died in the past with the Lord in the air. Now, again, uh, anyone who's a futurist who believes end times things are future things, there's no question among most of them that this is a rapture and that this is a rapture of the church. The question is, is when is it? Is it at the beginning of the tribulation? Is it some point in the middle of the worst time that's on earth? Or is it at the end? So one of the reasons that people like me believe that it's a pre-tribulation rapture is that, again, it never mentions in 1 Thessalonians 4 that these people are going to first have to endure the most horrific time on earth. Rather, it's a comforting word that he's going to catch us up in the clouds. Now, in addition, you'll see that when Jesus comes back for his millennial reign at the end of the tribulation to judge to defeat uh, the Antichrist and to set up his millennial kingdom, he's going to do that on earth. And we're going to come back to earth, y'all, uh, for that millennial reign. But Jesus isn't coming back to the earth here. He's meeting everyone up in the clouds. He's catching them up to heaven. Now, a post-tribulation person who believes the rapture will be at the end of the tribulation would say that, well, then we're just going to come right back down. He's going to catch us up to the clouds, and then we're going to come right back down. But that would mean that we endured the tribulation, and again, there's no mention of it. Um, so then it goes on to say in verse chapter 5, Now as to the times and epochs, brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you, for you yourselves know well that the full day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. When they are saying peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them, suddenly like labor pains upon a woman with child, and they will not escape. Now, the they, for those who believe like I do, are not the church. This is a letter to the church. He's saying they will not escape. They're going to go into the tribulation. But you that believe that are part of the church are going to get raptured and caught up in the air. And, and they will not escape, but you are escaping because you've already been raptured. So that's what a pre-tribulation person believes. Now... Again, we're interpreting Matthew 24, um, and we're going to get to that now. 
But I want you to also, and I mentioned this last time when we discussed Matthew chapter 23, when Jesus in Matthew 23, woe to you Pharisees, woe to you scribes and Pharisees, over and over again, and, and how frustrated he was with them, then he gets into this uh, conversation with disciples about when the end will come. But this whole conversation comes on the heels of Jesus' frustration with the Jewish people. And this is the week of Jesus' death. But later this week, on the last night of Jesus' life, while he's in the upper room with the disciples having the Last Supper, after Matthew 24, that's when he's going to speak the words of John chapter 14, which again, I talked about last time when I talked about Matthew 23. But in John 14, on the last night of Jesus' life, he says this, and we believe, that's our pre-tribulational, that this is the rapture as well. Because after he scared them, as we'll see in Matthew 24, he says, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may also be. Now Jesus is talking about the fact that he's going to be leaving them, but that he's going to the Father's house, that he's going to prepare a room, but that he's going to come back and take them to be with him where he is going. Well, where he was going was heaven, and he's saying, I'm going to come and take you to be with me there. Well, when Jesus comes back for the millennial reign, he's coming back to earth to at the end of the tribulation. So we don't believe that fits that. It This is a comforting word that Jesus gives them at the end, and I believe they needed a comforting word because when we read Matthew 24 right now, it's not very comforting. It's, it's a lot of judgment about what's going to happen during the tribulation time. But after that, he comforts them with the words of John 14. So all of these reasons and so many more that we don't have time for right now are reasons why we believe or I believe that the rapture is going to take place before the tribulation. But I want you to know it's not, many believe it's not discussed in Matthew 24. I want to give you a, a, a possibility of it being discussed in Matthew 24. But man, when we get into this chapter and I share with you, you know, what we're going to read now, there's a great deal of humility that I have. I mean, again, Jesus is talking about largely future events that haven't happened. And we're trying to discern, well, how do we order, sequence everything for the future? And we're not there yet. And, you know, just like the Old Testament prophets and the Jews got so much wrong and didn't even see the church age we're living in now, that was a mystery to them. That's part of that mystery that Paul was talking about. So they didn't rightly interpret the Old Testament to understand what was going to happen, the, the era we live in now. So is it? couldn't that be true for us? Couldn't it be true even with all the expert scholars, with all the study, that we're not going to fully get it right, predict rightly exactly how this is going to go down. But after the fact, after it happens, we'll be able to go back to God's word and say, oh, look at that. It, it did happen the way God word. God's word said it would happen. However, the way that we thought it would happen isn't exactly what happened. It happened differently. And I think in humility, with abundance of humility, 
I don't think anybody's got it right. I'll be honest. I don't. I don't think anybody's got it right. I think, and and the thing is, is I guess what's kind of frustrating to me is people kind of like someone who says it bold, strong, confidently, and says this is the way it is. But I think that's man's pride that man actually thinks they know exactly how it's going to go. And I, I think, you know, unfortunately people are attracted to that. So then they, they throng towards those who will speak that way. And maybe someone who positions themselves with greater humility, they, they, ah, oh, well, he's not sure or whatever. But I actually think the mature, wise way to look at this is to be humble. So even though I've said all that I've said so far about what I think, I'm telling you, I have humility that I don't know for sure. And, we're, you know, I'm just a, a man of God who is, you know, finite and the Lord is infinite and he knows. And he said he didn't even know the day and the hour, by the way. And, uh, you know, so we just do the best we can uh, to try to understand it as well as we can. So with all that said, on the heels of Matthew 23 and the woes to the Pharisees and Jews, he said, at the end of 23, for I say to you, from now on, you will not see me until he, until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And again, I think that's largely a Jewish statement that you're not going to see him until he comes back at the end of his second coming after the tribulation, that that's what he means, but that's for the Jews is the way that I interpret that on the heels of Matthew 23. Go back and read it. But Jesus came out from the temple, verse 20, Matthew 24 now, and was going away with his disciples. Now, a lot of times, you know, we see chapters and verses and we think, oh, completely change of thought. That's a mistake to look at it that way. None of the chapters or verses were in the Bible uh, when it was written. Like, it was just written, and then we numbered it so we can agree to meet at a certain place. But sometimes those chapter differences and numbering make us feel like it's completely a change. And sometimes where the chapters should be, that was really a man thing and not even a Jesus thing. So it's helpful, and I'm not against the fact that we have chapters, but don't give too much credence to that because that's not even a a inspired thing necessarily the chapter breaks uh jesus came out from the temple and was going away with his disciples came to the point came to point out the temple buildings to him and he said to them do not see all these things truly i say to you not one stone here will be left upon another which will not be torn down now this is a very interesting statement that jesus says it's going to all be torn down now a preterist is someone who believes that most of the end times events have already occurred and most of them occurred by 70 AD. Now, there is some partial truth, uh, and there's something that's called partial preterism, meaning that some of the things that Jesus predicted did happen, but yet most of it is future. And in 70 AD, the temple was torn down, so it does seem like what Jesus is saying in Matthew 24 verses 1 and 2 about the temple being destroyed is something that did happen in the past. Um, so it, it, sometimes there's a mix of of views with humility that can be sprinkled in, but largely I would take Matthew 24 to be future. As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, 
Now remember, this is, comes on the heels of Jesus just saying, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? So Jesus, what's it going to be like when you come back? Now, I believe this is largely talking about the, the end of the tribulation and the tribulation and when he comes back at the end and not so much about the rapture. However, there could be a part where he flips into discussing the rapture. And, and that's uh, even among people that hold the pre-tribulation rapture, they don't all hold to that when we get to the part about Noah. But anyways, let's keep going. And Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. Now, I believe, again, largely future, but has there been anyone throughout history that's tried to mislead people? I think yes, but I think this is largely more referring to the future and ultimately um, signs of the Antichrist, the one who's going to mimic uh, things of Jesus and Anyways, you will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened, for those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. Now, again, that's happened throughout history too, but when we see wars and rumors of wars, like even what's happening now in the world, uh, he's saying, well, that's not the end yet, but those are signs. For nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom in various places. There will be famines and earthquakes. And of course, there's been famines and earthquakes all throughout history. But I think we'll see those things increase as Jesus begins to near the time when he's coming back. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. And we understand that a white woman will have birth pangs leading up to her eventual delivery of the child. And that's what Jesus is saying here. These are all signs. Then they will deliver you to tribulation. Now, could that be the actual start of the tribulation? It could be. The word tribulation you know, can be a capital T tribulation, meaning not that it's written that way in the scriptures, but there's the tribulation, which is a seven-year period of time that's talked about in Daniel, that's talked about in the book of Revelation. It's timed out into two different halves of 1260 days, referred to exactly like that. And that is typically believed to be the tribulation, but all throughout history, we've been experiencing trials and tribulation so sometimes it's just a general tribulation versus the tribulation. So, you know, it's a little bit of a mystery in this passage here. When exactly is Jesus saying the tribulation begins? It could be here in verse 9. Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. At that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and mislead many. Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. So, you know, there's a lot said there. And, I mean, theologically, you know, rich and, and, and kind of difficult. He's talking about people falling away. What does that mean? A lot of people believe that once you're a Christian, you always will be a Christian and you can't fall away. But yet in this particular season here, Jesus says some will fall away and some will, their love will grow cold and the one who endures to the end will be saved. Uh, 
So anyways, let's keep going. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, now this was spoken of by the prophet Daniel as taking place. And we believe Daniel, Old Testament prophet, talked about this taking place during the tribulation time. And this is going to be a significant event that's going to take place in the temple when the Antichrist does something extremely sacrilegious in the temple during the time of the tribulation. And we believe that after that happens, that's going to bring in the great tribulation, which is typically thought of as the second half of the tribulation period, which is worse than the first half, although the whole thing is bad. So, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through the Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, let the reader understand, then, that those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. Whoever is on the housetop must not go down to get the things out that are out that are in his house. Whoever is in the field must not turn back to get his cloak. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. But pray that your flight will not be in winter or on a Sabbath. Now, that's an interesting statement. Because, again, church, I believe likely okay that we are not going to be here for this and that we are going to be raptured before all this takes place because again none of this warning was written in first thessalonians 4 or first corinthians chapter 15 and also we don't we don't recognize the sabbath the way that a jewish person does um but pray that your flight will not be in winter on a sabbath and and you know i don't think that you do a saturday sabbath and the church changed their day of worship to Sunday, and Jesus even made changes to the Sabbath. So when he's referring to the Sabbath here, we believe he's referring to it, or I do, because of the fact that he's speaking to Jews who, who, who did not get raptured with the church. For then there will be a great tribulation, such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. And that's why I said how bad this is. Unless those days had been cut short, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Now, there, there are those that would say, well, because of the fact that it says elect there, elect, they would say, means Christian. Well, elect is also said to be Jewish people of the Old Testament. So that's a difficult term to interpret at this age because even at this moment, in Matthew 24, we don't even have elect Christians yet. We don't even have the church beginning yet. The church doesn't begin until Pentecost, after Jesus' death and resurrection and when his Holy Spirit comes. And then, yes, it talks about the church being elect, but we're not even to that point yet. So I believe it can be easily rightly interpreted that these elect are, are Jewish people. Verse 23, then if anyone says to you, Behold, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe him. For false Christs and false prophets will arise, and will show great signs and wonders, so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. Behold, I have told you in advance, so I say to you, Behold, he is in the wilderness, do not go out, or behold, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe them. For just as lightning comes from the east and flashes even to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Oh, sorry, my dog is barking. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures were, will gather. 
I'm going to pause for a second here. All right. Sometimes there are challenges. Uh, it's actually a, a glorious day today. It's it's Christmas. Uh, so it's Christmas Day, 2023. And uh, my daughter and her husband just left. They were with us for Christmas Eve, but they left early now to go to her husband's house. My dog always barks when people leave the home. So I just paused and gave them a hug and told them I loved them and they're now on their way. <clears throat> and we will continue. Uh, isn't it interesting that <laughs> on Christmas Day that uh, we got to Matthew 24, one of the hardest passages in all this, the Bible to uh you know, to teach on. So anyways, I want to go back and just, so I, verse 26, so if they say to you, behold, he is in the wilderness, do not go out, or behold, he is in the rooms, do not believe them. For just as lightning comes from the east and flashes even to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Now, I believe this is clearly the official second coming of Jesus Christ. And you know, there's going to be a big war at the end of the tribulation period, and there will be corpses and vultures will gather at the last judgment and the final victory that's going to come through Jesus at the end of the tribulation period. And there are other passages that talk about that war and birds, you know, so to speak, eating the flesh of people of war and that, you know, echoes verse 28 so you know we really believe we're we're at that ending return of jesus christ there in that passage but immediately after the tribulation of those days the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light so this is right you know again at the end and the stars will fall from the sky and the powers of the heavens will be shaken and the sign of the son of man will appear in the sky then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will set, send forth his angels with a great trumpet. And they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. Now, I believe that this is the end of the tribulation. Some will, who believe in a post-tribulation rapture, believe that this is a rapture of the church at the end of the tribulation time. And they would say, well, this echoes what I talked about earlier in 1 Corinthians 15 and 1 Thessalonians 4. They would say, oh, this is all the same thing, all happening here. But yet the descriptions are not the same. There are differences in who's taking part and who's gathering and also where people are going because this is going to be now when the millennial reign is going to happen on earth. And those other passages were uh, being caught up together in the clouds and no mention of a return to earth. So, uh, And also John 14, like I talked about earlier, I'm going to prepare a place for you and I'm going to take you to be with me where I am. Well, this is at the end of the tribulation, everyone believes that Jesus is returning to earth. So it wouldn't be a heavenly heavenly picture. It would be a, a new earthly picture of the millennial reign. So, uh, you know, more on that at other times, but ver moving to verse 32, now learn the parable from the fig tree when its branch has already become tender and puts forth its leaves. You know that summer is near. So you too, when you see the things, 
see all these things, recognize that he is near right at the door. Truly I say to you, this is a very difficult passage to interpret. Truly I say to you, this generation, and what it may mean is this age, will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. And, you know, it, do, it does at times you could interpret Jesus and the apostles at believing that all these things would take place in their lifetimes, and they, they clearly didn't. Um, but I, I don't think that's what Jesus meant, but it, some interpret it that way. And it, it is clear that they were waiting on an event to happen quickly, um, and it didn't happen like this in their time frame. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son of Man, but the Father alone. Now that's a really important thing, right? None of us are going to know. Even said Jesus didn't know completely, but the Father alone knows. So I think that's a really good reason for us to have humility. Now, verse 37, For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and they did not understand until the flood came and took them away, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then there will be two men in the field, and one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one will be left. Now, some would use this as a rapture passage, right? Um there's going to be people in the field, one's taken, one's left. A lot of commentators, even who believe in a pre-tribulation rapture like I do, do not believe this fits. Uh, he, They believe that the taken ones here are, are, you know, it's not like at the rapture where the believers are being caught up, uh, that it's actually like the reverse of that here, so that they don't believe that this is a rapture. And also, Jesus is talking about what happens at the end. He's Right now, he's clearly talking about the end, not, not clearly necessarily in this passage, but what we just finished uh, about him coming back to earth, that's at the end. So does Jesus, is he still talking about the end? And that's what many people believe. I don't necessarily always know for sure, meaning sometimes when you're talking about future events, um, that are in the distant future, uh, even in the book of Revelation, not everything is in perfect order. Uh, sometimes they go forward and then they come backward. Uh, it's not always perfectly sequential. And one of the things that's confusing to me about this passage is the second half of the tribulation is going to be the most horrific time that's ever taken place on the earth. And what Jesus says here going back up to verse 37 uh for the son of man will be just like the days of noah for in as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking marrying and giving in marriage until the day that noah entered the ark and they did not understand that the flood would come it, so it's like it comes as a surprise and the thing that and it, it sometimes the second coming may be mentioned that way that it's a surprise but i have a hard time understanding that because it's clearly articulated that it's a seven-year period, the tribulation, with two halves of 1260 days. And so many of the events of the tribulation are known and talked about in the Bible. So it seems as though at the end, the very end of the tribulation, 
nothing would be surprising that it would be like the end's coming, we're going to war here, that the end's coming right now, and that you wouldn't be like going about life like normal, like where it said here, they'll be eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, it'd be like everything's like normal, and then all of a sudden the flood came. And that to me sounds a lot more like a rapture, which is what we believe it will be like when the rapture comes, that there doesn't have to be signs, that it can happen at any moment, that people indeed will be marrying and given in marriage and will be going about life. And then all of a sudden the rapture is going to take place, which then will lead to the tribulation period coming. So I am not a hundred percent sure that this passage in here, verses 36 through 41, isn't Jesus now flipping into a conversation about the surprise nature of the rapture that would happen before the tribulation period. But church, I say that with great humility. I'm not saying that's the way that it is. Because even people who I follow don't tend to take this passage and put it as a rapture passage. But because of the sequencing of the narrative that Jesus is speaking here. But I'm not so sure. I'm just telling you, I'm not so sure. And there's a lot of things I'm not sure about. You know, we're going to have to see. And when when things happen, we'll be able to look back and say, ah, that's what it meant. So, therefore, be on alert. For you don't know which day your Lord is coming, Jesus said in verse 32. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming. See, again, these passages kind of get into like the surprise thief coming. And they tend to me to sound more like a rapture than the second coming because the second coming's very well timed out once we're in the tribulation period. But anyways, he would have been on alert and would have our, would have allowed, he would not have allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. Again, to me, sounds more like a rapture passage, but even people I follow don't always speak of it that way. Who then is the faithful and sensible slave from whom his master put in charge of his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes, meaning we should be following Jesus right up to the point when he comes. And that's going to be true whether you know, you're know you in the tribulation or whether you got raptured before. We're supposed to be faithful to God all the way to the end. Truly I say to you that he will put him in charge of all of his possessions. But if that evil slave says in his heart, My master is not coming for a long time, and begins to beat his fellow slaves and eat and drink with drunkards, the master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him at an hour which he does not know and will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites in that place where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Yes, those are words from our Lord that if we get wayward and fall away from following our Lord and just do our own thing as though he's not coming back, uh, there's great penalty for that. And we should be about the Lord's business all the way until the point that he comes. Whether that be at the rapture at the beginning of the tribulation or whether it, we endure the tribulation and go through it, we need to be faithful to Jesus all the way until the end. So listen, there we have it. We went through Matthew 24. Now, in order to really do this justice, you know, you have to, compare this to so many other areas of scripture and look at it in a very detailed and significant way, which, you know, for the podcast that I'm doing, I just do not, 
I'm not taking the time one chapter at a time to do every bit of research that is possible to do. And, and, and part of me regrets that. It's like, man, we could spend weeks just on this passage. But I will be going through Reve- the book of Revelation again very shortly at our church. And, and these passages will come up again. And uh, you know we'll be taking a more significant end times look as we go through the book of Revelation. And you're welcome to join us at cometothecrossing.org or uh, on YouTube, Crossing Community Church. Uh, let me just pray. Uh, Father, uh, I thank you for your words of warning, your words of instruction. And I pray, God, that you would uh, just help us to remain truthful and faithful to you no matter what happens, no matter how this goes down. Lord, it would be a great comfort to be raptured before the tribulation, and we see evidence as to how that may be. But Lord, there's passages like this that sometimes say, hey, maybe maybe we will go through it. Maybe maybe uh, the pre-tribulation people don't have it right. And in that case, God, uh, help us to persevere, uh, protect us, and no matter what, God, help us to be faithful all the way to the end. Uh, you are worthy. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.